Panels to Pixels, Jessica Jones Review, Episode 3 and 4. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. So, Steve, uh, do you want to take us out and let us know exactly what's going on with the uh, Episode 3? Absolutely. Episode 3 is is uh, is great. This was uh, AKA it's called Whiskey, um what which is pretty cool. I like whiskey. Um so uh but we pick up right where uh, right where we left off. Uh we have Jessica and Luke uh together there in in uh, Jessica's apartment with the power tools and uh they spend the night together and uh and then we see Jessica, uh, she keeps investigating, and she's looking for Kilgrave, and she's trying to figure out this way to kill him. Um, she knows about uh, the 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 anesthesia, um, and so she's kind of looking for hospitals that have that. And then uh, she goes to Jerry, uh, her lawyer friend, and she wants Jessica to testify and help uh, the Hope, the girl that shot uh, – her parents there in uh, in Jessica's building, um, and this is one of those episodes where we learn a whole lot of secrets. A lot of things are revealed, and I'm I'm betting that when we get into our top five, we're gonna, we're going to see that. Um, Trish uh, interviews Hope from prison, and then she draws Kilgrave's wrath, and we finally see Kilgrave for the first time. We actually get a full shot of who that is. And we see this impeccably dressed British man. David Tennant. David Tennant. Thank you. Jessica confronts him, but he gets away. And there's this uh, big fight. And uh, I've got some stuff about that in my my top five, that last fight between Jessica and the house full of Kilgrave-controlled people. All right. Well, let's start our top five. And then there's the matter of your bill. All right, everybody. My top five were... My first of my top five, which would be five, is Jessica using her drug-addicted neighbor Malcolm to get the drug that she needed for Kilgrave. So that was an interesting turn of events. You know, she goes into the hospital and uses Malcolm because he's so drug-riddled, and she pushes him into one of the nurses carrying all the drugs and everything kind of, you know, she was there to help a friend and just pushes him, making it look like, He's so drug-riddled that he just pushed himself onto somebody. And she uses that excuse to sneak in to get whatever drugs that, you know, she needed to get to kill, to kill Grave. Yeah, and, and I hadn't thought about it, but when we get to episode four, there's a really important thing that, that ties in with that as well that I think is uh, is kind of interesting when I saw that as your number five. That's why I wanted uh, so I, I want us to try to remember when we get to episode four to talk about that because there's a very, very important revelation comes out about that. Um, oh, yes. My number five was the, the conversation that Jessica and Luke have uh, when they're eating food there after their marathon exercise session <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, where they talk about superpowered people and uh, and she asks like if he knows if he knows anybody who's got superpowers and and uh, he's like no i haven't met anybody or something like that or he talks about uh and it's really cool because you can see that they're they're trying to get uh they're not they don't want to infringe on any copyright stuff because we're going to see this in other episodes as well is he said the big green guy and, and his crew or something like that um, talking about uh, Hulk, you know, and, and, but not wanting to say Hulk cause they don't want to infringe on that copyright. So, Actually, no, the uh, Marvel is overseeing everything. 
But what they try to allude to with Netflix is that they they still own that copyright, mm-hmm. but they try to kind of separate it from the movies at this point. Yeah, I just thought it was really interesting because later, and like I said, in, in, there's another episode uh, where uh, Jessica refers to another Avenger, but she doesn't say his name. She doesn't say who he is. She just kind of says something about him, and we all know who she's talking about, yeah. but she doesn't. So it, I just found that interesting that Netflix was doing that, whether it was for copyright issues or just for story purposes, uh, but it was pretty cool because I, I, I just didn't think that if you're talking about the Avengers that you would go straight to Hulk, but I guess you would because he kind of did take center stage in that yeah, that, that battle. So. Yeah, okay. he did. But also to add to that, they mentioned them as gifted, kind of like what they mm-hmm. did with, with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Right. And in the movies, because at that time, Marvel didn't have the license from uh, what Fox. Mm-hmm. I got to get it right. It's Fox that owns everything from X-Men, which is notated as being mutants. So now that Fox owns is being like that property is being owned by marvel and disney (laughs) at that right um they are able to use that mutant name if they wanted to but at this point in in this show when because it became it came out like three years ago almost i was gonna say yeah because this is 2015 this is this was before all those deals or 2016 whatever it was when this show was air originally aired all those deals hadn't been struck yet so they were all still separate uh, entities yes. at that time, so that's that's what I was I was getting. At. It just seemed it seems kind of interesting the way they kind of talked around those things. So yeah, uh, what's yeah. so now they're they're all gifted, and, yep. and according to this storyline, so yeah. if you hear anything that says gifted, it's basically anybody with powers doesn't necessarily mean mutant, but right. it is. Well, and just like like they ask each other, like she says, like he says, he says, how did yours happen? And I think uh, all she said was like a a lab accident or she says an accident, something like that. And then he says a lab accident or or like that. We we get the idea experiment. Yeah, something like we get the idea, though, the two of them, the powers, they they derive their powers not from like like genetics. They uh, they were somehow exposed to something that gave them their powers. So. Exactly. Uh, which, that's gonna be an interesting story to find out if we ever, ever do get that. I I think because sure her powers are very interesting to me because they're not. Um, it's just it's it's different. It's it it's. I don't think we've I've seen a superhero quite with her abilities. kind of uh, abilities. Yeah, because uh, and like one of my one of my top fives. Um, is is actually that idea that she can be hurt. We do see her get punched and she bleeds. We see her get shot. She can be hurt. It just takes a whole lot to hurt her. Um, and and so, but we know she's really strong. So she has this extra strength. And uh, we when he asks her uh, if he if she can fly, uh, she says, "Well, I can jump." And and then the landing is tough or something like that. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, twist on the whole idea of how would you start to learn the limits of your power? And like you know, Luke Cage is he's got strength, but he's also got this invulnerability about him as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, his skin is tough. Yeah. So uh, I'll move on to my number four. Mm-hmm. Which is the battle between Trish and the cop in her apartment and Jessica saving her that day. 
Uh, yeah, that was a little that there was a little when I watched it for the second time, I kind of realized it. I think that the first time I watched it, it didn't I didn't key in on this, but she arrives like it's it's very Deus Ex Machina the way Jessica arrives there right at the moment when she's needed. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's it's almost like she was watching through the window for the exact okay now, you know, <laughs> uh, because and plus the fact that that she was all the way across town or she was away and she hears. Trish on the phone and gets the idea that she's being attacked. And so, uh, again, I'm sure that was that part of that jumping ability <laughs> that got her there quickly. Um, but just that that kind of – it took me out of it a little bit when Jessica showed up kind of there right at the at the last second. But Trish was holding her own pretty good for a while. That crumb – it oh, kind yeah. of uh, uh, paid off for her, so um, I enjoyed that. You know, it's showing uh, a, lo- a woman kicking ass. Yeah. yeah, and that was really good. And that kind of goes right into my number four, which is uh, Trish. Uh, Trish and Jessica. Jessica sees the bruises and uh, and thinks maybe somebody is doing this to, or Jessica thinks somebody's doing this to Trish. And that's when Trish admits to her that uh, she's doing this Krav Maga. Uh, and we learn a little bit more about her and Jessica's relationship, but not really because all we know is that Jessica had her own room. So that would indicate to me roommates, not necessarily something uh, like I, I thought of the last episode, something romantic. It's really more of they were just kind of roommates. And uh, But we also get a lot of things – start to learn some things about Trish, and I, I might be muddling up the two episodes in my head here. But we, we do learn – it may be episode four that we actually learned that Trish used to be a TV star. She's yeah. now a radio star. But something happened that pushed her out of TV and into radio. So I really like that that Trish and their relationship, um, the two of them, because it's it's a very it's almost a familial like a family type relationship, like that they're sisters, but they haven't made any indication that they're sisters. So yes, yeah. Well, for those listeners that are out there and have not watched the series. Ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and bear with us. And, and again, for those that are listening, we are watching two episodes at a time. So this this particular podcast is about episodes three and four. But when we give our top fives, we're gonna we're gonna split them up just so that Mark and I can kind of hopefully keep our our psyche in line. <laughs> exactly. And I've kind of I think I've kind of uh, meshed a couple of episodes. I think I've kind of meshed episodes 3 and 4 there with Trish's and Jessica's relationships. So. I think I did that with 2 and 3. But I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners at this point have already watched the show and they just want to hear people's opinions about it. Which exactly. is what we're doing. So, <laughs> all right. Uh the cool thing about that though is what 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 you were talking about when Trish shows Jessica what she's been doing and learning Krav Maga, she shows her her area where she trains and also mm-hmm. that that room where you know she could just her private room mm-hmm. so that way she could get away from anything that's that's uh villainous any anybody yeah. that's trying to get to her yeah the fact that she has a safe room and Jessica is aware of the safe room in there like she she doesn't like she tells her well if anybody comes you go to your safe room and and that was that was another interesting thing in, in the, that's in the next episode actually i think when she comes out of the the safe room and lets jessica into the apartment so i'm not going to go there yet yeah well <laughs> i'll move on to my number 3 yeah so my number 3 would be uh jessica following the cop with trish's tracker 
after planting it on the cop and finally see Kilgrave. That was a very, very intense scene for the fact that, <clears throat> you know, Jessica just slips the phone in there, goes right to her phone as the guy's going down the elevator after he pulled a gun on her, and she just falls and is listening to the conversations that he's having and then finds him at, in this penthouse of this apartment complex and is able to view over what's going on, and you could see the back of Kilgrave's head while he's having this conversation <laughs> with the cop. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know, Kilgrave m- kind of motions to him, you could leave. And he goes, no, that way. <laughs> and he po- points him towards the balcony, meaning that he wants the cop to go over. Now, that is very intense, and then Jessica tries to stop him several times. And at that point, uh, Kilgrave is aware that Jessica is there, and you see his face. So that that was kind of a poignant uh, moment for the fact that when she's staring at him, Kilgrave points and waves that the cop is still walking to the balcony to yeah, fall I love to it, his death. Yeah, because he knows her so well. He knows... Like, he doesn't know that she's there when he tells the cop to commit suicide. But once he sees her, he knows that she is not going to stop. She's not going to she's not going to let that cop jump off the building. Exactly. And so and so he's able to use that moment because he's planted that suggestion. And the cop has got to which we, we find out at the very end of the episode. The cop has got to fulfill his suggestion in order for it to, uh, to be true. Yeah, to run its co- it's got to sort of run its course, and that's why I was I was kind of surprised that he just took Jessica's word for it, uh, and that sh- that he had killed uh, Trish, and he did kind of check her vitals, and I guess because she had given her the the anesthesia, yeah, you know, we, she was it was it was enough for him to believe, and so that broke the suggestion of needing to kill. Uh, Trish. So, yeah, that that's uh, that's an interesting. That played into to one of mine as well because that was one of my questions was about that. But yeah, I, I like that that whole thing. And, and I I didn't. The one thing I didn't get about that that place that Kilgrave was in is uh, was that the same house that we saw him go into at the end of uh, the other episode where he had the kid go in the closet and and the one child said she had to go to the bathroom and he said, well, just go in the closet. You know, I, I don't know if it's the same house or if it's a different house, but that kind of plays into the next episode as well. Some of those, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah, we'll uh, move on to that at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, when I get down to for my number three, it's really just the secrets that we learned in this in this episode. Um, we learned that the woman in the photo in uh, uh, Luke's apartment is his dead wife. Uh, we also see through flashback. Uh, that she, that she was killed on Kilgrave's orders. Now we don't know why yet, and we also learn that Kilgrave really is obsessed with Jessica because she walks into that room that's just filled with with pictures of her, and not just pictures of her, but pictures made of her. Like they've done this, you know, huge blow up where each page is a part of her face, and he's got a whole wall covered with just her face. Seeing that, it, it just raises a, a lot of questions about a, a lot of things. Yeah, but it was that very was, eerie. Um, yeah, it was. As if Kilgrave was aware, and he was constantly searching her out, and like kind of like uh, an infatuation, because yeah. like 
he had her at one point and then he couldn't let her go. Yeah. I think we are to your number two. My go number ahead. two? All right. Yeah. Uh, my number two would be that scene with Jessica and Luke in the beginning taking off where they left off the last <laughs> episode. Now, mind you, I kind of was spoilery because I think I just watched right into number three, but I'm sorry, people. Uh, I had a DVD and I just had play all on and I didn't <laughs> realize I probably walked away. So, but obviously, you know, with that. And they broke the bed as they were in the middle of, you know, they they were going at it, going at it. Next thing you know, they break the bed, and they just keep going. (laughs) Honestly, that that was a very interesting scene, but obviously they have a lot of stamina, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, that's also is that is that also when the when the the guy from upstairs comes to the door? The, no, no, that's later on. But still, they break that bed, and, and I, what I liked, what I thought was interesting about that whole scene after uh, Luke, you know, tries to shows her that he's invulnerable. He's already figured out that she's superpowered because he saw her in that fight in the bar. So he he knows. Oh, okay, you were serious when you said I can't hurt you. Uh, in the the previous episode, I think episode two, when they slept together, um, you know, she, he was going at it, and she and he kind of said, and she says, "No, keep going, rougher or, so, or harder or something like that." And he yeah. says, "Oh, I don't want to hurt you," and she's like, "You won't." Uh, yeah. And now he realizes that he really won't, and so they can kind of, you know, go to their full ability. This is so awkward for me to talk about. <laughs> it is weird and strange, but then again, um, yeah. this this is a weird and strange. Joe. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and I already talked a little bit about my uh, my number two, which was uh, uh, the Jessica can be hurt. Um, uh, so, which, like I said, we see that in this episode, and and that's another one of those interesting things is she's not really. We don't know how where she got her training from. You know, where did she learn to fight? Did she? And so we don't know kind of what her background is as far as this her style of fighting and. Uh, but she's got multiple people coming at her and attacking her. And what I thought was really interesting, though, about that fight scene is is I realized about, about halfway through she has to hold back because she knows these people are innocents. She, she knows that she can't kill these people even though they're trying to kill her, which is it's, – it's kind of an interesting uh, – kind of a, a, a – again, it's one of those things that we don't see – we – We've heard superheroes talk about it a lot. I mean, I know, uh, like in, I think in some of the Superman uh, things, he's talked about the fact that he he has to hold back when he does things, and and so she's obviously got to hold back, and uh, she puts the chokehold on the one guy and and chokes him out, uh, and then she's she's got to fight the the other guy, but he's just really coming at her. She finally, I think, she broke one of the guy's arms, you know, um, and. So you really see this this fact that she's trying not to kill or um, hurt anybody that's innocent or yeah. even just not even to to kill at that. But also I also have to bring up back that when Luke and her were having that little <laughs> conversation while they were eating and uh, he brings up he goes she goes, oh, I tried the hero thing. And he goes, oh, you had a costume. <laughs> and she yeah. goes, yes. And she goes, I kind of gave it up. So I'm curious as to to see what that looked like. Uh, that that would be interesting, and to see what that costume would look like, you know. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder because you brought up that idea about the leather jacket. That jacket she wears, it's kind of a kind of a uniform uh, kind of thing, or or kind of a costume kind of thing. Um, I wonder if that jacket might have been part of it, or 
Yeah, so that's that's an interesting. I, I, again, that's one of those things that I wonder if we're going to see if we're going to get any indication of that. Uh, yeah. Okay, I think we are to our number ones. Yeah, my number one would be the picture of Jessica and everyone she interacts with in that place. You brought it up already. The multiple pictures of her when she finds out the little hiding place. <laughs> And it's like multiple picture. It's like one picture with multiple images that are printed out on a wall, and it's amazing. It's like who actually went out there, took these pictures for Kilgrave, and they're constantly printing. And you could see multiple everybody she's in contact with, all over the place. People that she's talked to, people that she affiliates with, whether it be Trish or even her clients. And you see, and just her walking in the streets and mm-hmm. her travels. So, who's taking these pictures for Kilgrave, and who else is coming for her and Trish at this point? Yeah, and how long have they been doing that? Because there's that one shot of her on the fire escape when she was from the episode one, where she was kind of uh, taking pictures of that building. You know, there's that picture of her. So it's it's yeah, that, that whole obsession by Kilgrave is is interesting. I, I want to know more about why is he so obsessed with her. So yeah, uh, my number one is really just all the questions that we that we had, and and my big que- I had a big question about the cop. I had a, I wondered about if if when he finds out that Trish is alive, is is that programming going to kick back in? And I know from from what we've seen in, in the future what what the answer is to that now. But the other question I had is is why did Kilgrave want Luke's wife killed? I mean, we see that 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 uh, she's the one that Jessica is the one who killed Luke's wife. She pushed her and threw no, she her into punched, punched her, punched her, her yeah, right punched in the heart, in the in the heart, and and, and tossed her. Some, right, and somehow Luke thought his his wife was caught up in the the bus crash whether the whether i don't know how it worked out with the bodies or whether it looked like she was hit by the bus or or what but i i remember it's just that's an interesting question of why what was important about luke cage's wife um and then just that that question i brought up earlier about the the relationship with trish what is that there there's got to be something and even trish kind of alluded to the fact that she says she tells Jessica, "I can't have you fighting my battles for me anymore," or something like that, when she was talking about learning the Krav Maga. Yeah. So, um, I had a, a few quotes uh, that I thought were really uh, kind of funny, and we, we've already talked about a couple of them. Um, but uh, I think the one that the, the one that stood out to me the most was when they're having that conversation over food, and and she asks him how uh, how you know how how tough is he or how hard. Uh, you know how how uh, invulnerable he actually is, and his answer is on a scale of I don't know to I'd rather find I'd rather not find out. I thought was a really good answer uh, to that question of because uh, she she makes a, a statement about extremities, and he's like, so when you're at my extremities, I don't want you to try anything. And, yeah, like uh, if I were to bite down on your finger, would yeah. it come off? <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to uh, try that. Um, <laughs> Uh, when she when she talks to and we find out later and, and I didn't put this in my previous notes but in the, the episode notes but when she does go to one of the hospitals before the whole thing with Malcolm uh, she goes to one of the hospitals and we 
finally see or we see again Jerry's ex-wife or wife or the wife who she's going through the divorce with, and uh, she wants to get that drug from her. I thought that was that was really – she says uh, – actually, she's, it was when she's talking to Trish about the drug that yeah. Trish says, are you graduating from uh, from alcoholism or something like that? That was pretty funny. So Yeah. <laughs> the, the only other quotes that I have are the neighbor that lives with his sister, the one that's down the hall. <laughs> and uh, he was like bringing Malcolm to his apartment and Jessica sees them. And Malcolm goes, oh, that little man kept hitting me. <laughs> That wasn't a little man. That was my sister. Uh, he goes, she hit you with her bowling trophy. It wasn't yeah. a little man. <laughs> yeah. And then the creepiest thing he could ever say is, she bowls like a dream. That, oh, my those, God. Those two, that's just weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the next one that I have is uh, Luke says, while they're in bed, and they're, it's the afterglow of everything. And, you know, Jessica looks a little bit distant at this point. You know, she's looking at the mirror. You could see the camera shots the way they are. She's trying to look away and try to avoid the conversation. But he asks, is this a racial thing? And then Jessica hesitates to answer. And she just looks at the mirror at them from, like, their reflection and we see it from the point of view of the mirror. And then she is still looking up and around, not really looking at him, and says it's more about a powers thing. Yeah, yeah, and, good, good. And, she, and she's afraid of what might happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think it had anything to do with racial. I think she was just like, what's this going to happen? You know, what's going to happen between both of us if we're together and how are we going to live together and or be yeah. together so that that was my thoughts on that that those are interesting quotes yeah. Uh, so the synopsis for episode, episode four is we begin with Jessica has got those pictures and she's she's searching all the different places where she was photographed and she's trying to figure out who has been stalking her, who has been taking these pictures for photograph uh, for Kilgrave. She asks the cop when she talks to him, "Did you take these pictures?" And he said, "No, I didn't do it." There's a, another subplot going on where Jessica is hired by a woman to catch her cheating husband, and and but she's very suspicious of this woman because obviously the the last time she had uh, clients referred to her they were referred because Kilgrave suggested, put the suggestion in their mind and uh, then that ended up being the Hope's parents who were killed by her Um, the cop comes back to Trisha's apartment and I worried that he might try to kill her now to complete kind of his programming but we see that that at least that part of the programming has weared off because Jessica says something like um you know do you do you want to kill her now and he's like no not at all so it, that's really good um Jessica convinces the cop to leave but he he won't stay away he keeps coming back he keeps coming back to Trish's apartment um Jessica follows her new client to find out if she's truthful and uh we see some of Jessica's powers here. We we actually see that jumping thing where she jumps. And I, I thought it was interesting. There's a whole sequence there where the woman uh, unlocks the door with it that's chained and padlocked and goes into the building. Mm-hmm. And then a few minutes later, Jessica's at a different door. That's got a lock and a padlock. So I could was it? I guess it was just two different doors, and she didn't want to go in the same door 
the woman went in. That's the only thing I could figure because the woman's not going to be able to to lock the outside of the door. That, but she sees that this woman is is practicing with a pistol in this building, and so then she goes and Jessica goes to see the lawyer friend Jerry because she wants to find out about this woman that was referred to her, and Je- Jerry wants her help in interviewing these possible Kilgrave victims and jessica finds some she we we see some different people who obviously were not actually manipulated by kilgrave but then you see those few that were and you you get it's it's really creepy a very uh marionette kind of vibe off from a couple of those people when they were controlled by uh, by by kilgrave uh the police officer comes back to trish's apartment and he gives trish a gun and they talk through the door. Uh, eventually, we find out that the client that came to hire Jessica was not suggested by Kilgrave, but actually had been talking to the man Jessica served the summons to, who, sh- who she revealed her powers to. And this woman just wanted to kill a superpowered person. Exactly. Uh, like it's it's so mundane of a of a plot twist that it's it's a it's it was cool to have something that mundane that something that actually has nothing to do with this whole Kilgrave story that I thought was thought that was kind of a cool twist of of the. Yeah, I thought of it as a side story. Yeah, it yeah. was like she has several stories in in these episodes if you think about it because mm-hmm. she's got she's on the hunt for Kilgrave. Utilizing her lawyer, yeah, uh, uh, lawyer. and the cop, and, and the cop. That was a whole interesting thing that that kind of it kind of surprised me, but it didn't. Uh, you know, in this world today of surveillance and things, that the cop is able to to get find all these pictures because she says, "I I need to know who's following me," and so she gives him the dates and the times and the places of the pictures that were taken of her, and he's able to go back and get city surveillance. Of those days, and I think he gives her the tape, and he says it's like thirty hours worth of of footage or something like that. Yeah. And and so she's got to watch it all. But through all that, we we end the episode with her discovering that Malcolm was. Yeah, that Malcolm is the spy, and that's why I thought it was so interesting about your number five from the previous episode is that she uses Malcolm. Uh, to get that drug from the hospital, and then she finds out that Kilgrave is using Malcolm, Malcolm. As and well. and I wonder if that's going to come later on. If we're going to see her deal with that thought that she's manipulating people, maybe Just not the way with, that Kilgrave yeah. is in some yeah. respect to get what she wants. Exactly, not very much not the way Kilgrave does with uh, insinuation or, mm-hmm. or or just a suggestion. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very it's very interesting that how it unfolds. Yeah, very cool. Um, I forgot to mention the name of this episode also was AKA Ninety Nine Friends. Yeah, we'll get back to that when uh, we 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 get talk our top about five. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Why don't you go ahead and give us your your number five for this episode? Uh, my number five for episode four would be Trish in her safe room and the cops showing up comical in a sense that the cop thinks you know he killed trish and jessica relieving him with the truth that trish was alive and then trish showing up speaking through the door he's seeing her and he just continues to try and then you know to talk to trish and then jessica just breaking everything down to him and in a conversation and letting and pretty much cluing him in and what's going on and her trying to uh, 
get more information out of the cop because she knows she goes i've been there before you've done yeah. something wrong because due to this suggestion you don't know and you want to know and you and he thinks he killed you and she was and trish couldn't understand that yeah and i think i really liked um I like that you bring that up because I hadn't I hadn't thought of it of the fact that this it's almost the opposite now that the cop has now fixated on protecting Trish, on wanting to help her and wanting to help Jessica, wanting to get Kilgrave, and Jessica's trying to push him away, going, "No, you can't help." You know, yes. um, we we learned a lot. I don't know if I have this anywhere in my other notes. We learned a lot about Kilgrave's powers in this episode as well. Because that's one of the things – one of the reasons why she says she's following uh, Audrey, the, the, the wife, uh, is because she wants to – she says the, it only lasts for like 12 hours. So if I can follow her for 12 hours and she doesn't see Kilgrave, then I'll know she's not controlled by him. So I thought that was, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, my, my, number, yeah my number five was uh, Jessica knows that there are no pictures of Luke in the, the group of her. So in all those surveillance pictures, there's nothing of, of Luke, but yet she knows that Kilgrave had her kill Luke's wife. So whatever it was that, that Kilgrave had against him, it, it wasn't against Luke. It was against Luke's wife because once Luke's wife was killed – he didn't care anymore. So there's no pictures of her with Luke, which I which I thought was kind of interesting because you'd think those would would be there, but obviously that's something that he doesn't Kilgrave doesn't care about. Yes. Uh, uh that would lead to mine number four. Yes. And uh Jessica's scaling a space between two buildings. If you look at it, it's a very small, narrow space between two buildings to crawl up four levels and watch Audrey who hired her. Uh, it, it basically shows Jessica and what her powers are through feats of strength. You talked about her jumping. We haven't really seen much of that here and there we have. Mm -hmm. And now we see, you know, this is, you know, all we do is see her, but you see her looking down and she's scrunched between two buildings. And yeah, I didn't pick in. up on that. I didn't I didn't pick up on that that it was a tight space she was jumping into, but that's that's really good. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it has to show that she is not fearful of heights in some respect. She was fearful of when, you know, the cop was ready to jump off the roof, but mm -hmm. you know, she would have had to protect herself in some way if she fell just the same. But maybe yeah. she's not as uh, durable as Luke is. But she's well, able to crawl up there. Yeah, and it, it, it makes me it makes me wonder how she saved the cop. What did she did she did he jump off the building and she jumped up and caught him and then landed with no, him? No, no, did she, she jumped with him. No, no, no. She landed down. He was there every time he was trying to go. She would just go and grab him every time no, and pull him that, back. That last time, because remember, she he jumps off the building. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who's in episode three or four, but that last time he lands in the garbage. They land in the garbage because she has to complete the programming. And so she says, okay, see, you've done it. You've jumped off the building. You've completed your programming. Like the, the programming from Kilgrave wasn't to die. The programming was to leave via jumping off the building. I and so she she had to let him jump off the building. Yes, but and I think she, she staged that. Okay. 
Maybe. Oh, I see what you're saying. She could have. She could have just grabbed him, jumped with him, and then landed. I see what you're saying. And then told him. And then told him that he jumped off the building. Okay, that makes sense. That that actually that actually makes more sense then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Think like Boondock Saints when they they fall off the building and they're jumping Mm -hmm. and they land and they land on the person or whatever and in the garbage. And yeah, no, no, I, I got you now. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it is. It's pretty impressive. So, mm-hmm. uh, my number four is. Uh, I was typing these up, and I realized how dense I am. It took me four episodes to realize. Uh, I just got it that she named her <laughs> her her private investigation firm is called Alias Investigations, and every uh, episode is named AKA something, which is Alias something. I was, also known I don't know. as. Uh, also known as, as thank another. you yeah right which i don't know why it took me four episodes to go oh alias investigations aka i get it i mean yeah. i was i was going into all sorts of weird things like that jj abrams show with jennifer garner and everything going <laughs> alias where is she getting this alias investigations from this is jessica jones not a real name is she i don't know yeah, yeah it's, it's also known so, as yeah so. exactly all right, so that will lead me to my number two, which will be the little girl telling Jessica that Patsy Walker is safe. For now. Uh, how Kilgrave ma- manipulated that kid, and Jessica saying that she is sorry that it was happening to her. She goes on this whole dialogue with the kid, and knowing that Kilgrave is using her as a vessel to you know, give her this information about uh, what's going on with this person who hired her. And uh, this kid's, uh, all the expletives out of this kid's mouth is amazing. And at the very end, she snaps out of it because she finished her, what was suggested to her, what she was told to do. And then the mother coming over and grabbing her and don't, please don't talk to my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I was helping her. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. Um, Is that leads me to, to my number three? Um, I think it, it, I love the return of the voiceover. Two. I, I um, well, I never got to say my three though. You don't, you missed. You skipped over your three. I it's skip, your fault. How did I? You skip skipped. You three? skipped your number three. I don't know because the document. Maybe you're. Maybe you went down on the document. Oh, I you did. Skipped your, so, <laughs> so my number three. You can do your number three here in a second. My right. number three <laughs> is uh, the return. The return of the of the voiceover, which I love, and and we had we kind of talked about this in the first couple episodes. I think where I asked you uh, to or off off pod, maybe I asked you uh, if the voiceover is is throughout the the series, and uh, I like that because it gives it it reminds us that this is a detect. This is primarily a detective show, and I love those old detective. Uh, 80s TV shows with uh, you know Magnum PI and yep. uh, I think Murder She Wrote. She did a voiceover occasionally for it and just I, that whole. I, I like the version of Blade Runner that has the voiceover. I know Harrison Ford has gone on record say he didn't like it, but whatever. Ridley Scott didn't like it. I like the one with the voiceover. Um, <laughs> I, it just gives you that noir feel, that Humphrey Bogart, Maltese Falcon. You know, uh, kind of feel of the 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 episode. So I like that return of the the voiceover. Okay, everybody. So my number three was my number two. 
So now my number two will be my number three that I had before. <laughs> so uh, that's what happens in podcastings. We're only human and we do make mistakes. So with this, I'm going to give you I'm not super powered and I cannot foresee the future. So uh, I, I look like Professor X, but I'm not Professor X. Um, my number two, which would be my original number three, which is the interviews with Jessica that she does with uh, to find Kilgrave. Everyone has stories. You brought this up before, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has stories that are funny. They're interesting. Some were there. Some were not. And you could tell, and I think Jessica could tell exactly which ones were true and which ones were false. Yeah, that was an interesting thing, and, and you're right. There were some that were for that, that were funny. There were some, but there was there was a couple that were like that were really sad. The one with the dad who who lost his wife in custody of his mm-hmm. child because Kilgrave wanted a, a chauffeur. You know, uh, the guy the guy on the uh, on the subway who gives him his coat, and he's like, "It was couture or whatever." I don't know. I don't know fashion stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but did you notice? And and it didn't. They didn't really talk about it much or focus on it but the woman who played the cello she had bandages on at least one of her hands yes and and i wondered if it was kind of like you remember there was an x-men movie where um uh phoenix uh gene gray tells someone walk until your feet bleed yes and i wonder if if he told her no no that was that was in wolverine Wolverine, okay, Wolverine, you're right, not an X-Men movie. But regardless, I, it made me wonder if if uh, Kilgrave told her when she made that mistake, told her to play until your fingers bleed. Exactly. Because she had those those bandages on her hands. And I just felt so so sad for her. Um, the woman who said she couldn't stop smiling, uh, that Kilgrave wouldn't let her not smile. Yeah. And I just thought, how how tough would that be? To just walk around always smiling, with, yeah, uh, and you're not the Joker. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Um, it brings us to my number two, which we kind of little talked a little bit already about him. Mm-hmm. Is the cop uh, Simpson? Uh, yes. I, I like him, and and I, he he kind of gave us a little bit of his background when he was talking to Jessica. He said something about that he was special forces or special operations. Uh, for several years, and so we get the idea that he is—he he wants to protect people. He wants to to have a life that means something, and and we saw that in the Punisher when they when military guys, the former military guys and stuff, were talking about it about wanting to have a life that means something. And uh, so I really liked that that whole idea of him, and I hope we get to see some more of uh, of this guy because he's a he's a good character. I I, I hope. I hope he becomes one of those characters that they can filter through the other Netflix shows even because he just he just seems like a really cool uh cool kind of character. He seems down to earth and actually normal because he is a human. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not uh he's not gifted in any way. He's well written mm-hmm. and you you could tell just by the acting of uh the actor that He's portraying somebody who is sympathetic when he realizes he was at fault mm-hmm. uh, of his unknowing, you know, his own undoing. He couldn't do, you know, those things in his real life. And he was try- just trying to make a right out of a wrong that he wasn't responsible for. 
just like when he ran to Trish's ha- uh, apartment, mm-hmm. and and then Trish was being very confrontational, but Jessica was understanding because she was under those influences. Right. But right. Uh, and in his case, he's just normal. He he doesn't have superpowers or anything. He he's just yeah. uh, a law enforcement person. So yeah. He's he's uh he's Frank Castle without the uh uh the sociopathology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has a conscience is what yeah, we're trying yeah. to state people. So, uh that would bring me m- to my number 1. And uh my number 1 would be Will and Tr- uh, Yeah, Will, which is the cop. The cop, um, right. Yeah, yeah I was, I'm, I'm looking up his I'm looking uh, I, up who that actor is cuz I yeah. want to know. Yeah, uh, that would his name is Will, the 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 police officer, and Trish mm-hmm. bonding behind a door. Um, Will winds up giving her a gun. She is a little bit steadfast and saying, "Hey, I'm not gonna open the door. Leave it at the box at the, you know, at the door." And then <laughs> she quickly opens up while she's on the floor, pulls it in, looks, opens it up, and finds a revolver. There's a thirty-eight in there. And he goes, I just wanted you to feel safe. She asks if it's legal. He goes, no. Yeah. (laughs) uh, And then they have an an intense conversation over generality of things. Uh, And and will there be a romance? Maybe. I have a funny feeling because they're bonding. They both feel like they were both used in some way or attacked. And... uh, they feel vulnerable, so maybe they will come together. And then there's the final scene when she sees who is delivering the pictures to Kilgrave. That would be Jessica. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then we find out it's Malcolm. And uh, obviously he is the easiest person to manipulate at this point because he's always drug-riddled, doesn't mm-hmm. know where he is, and he's taking all these pictures of her and you know, and following her. So it's easy to do something like that with uh, these people. So, uh, and, uh, you know, there were a few times when, you know, like you stated before, Steve, with when you didn't see pictures of Luke. Maybe mm-hmm. Malcolm was too drugged out at that point. Maybe Kilgrave's, uh, you know, influence and his suggestion doesn't yeah. work very well when <laughs> Malcolm is extremely drugged out. Yeah. Well, and we all, yeah. Well, and we also, the, the spaces where Luke was, we don't have pictures of her. Like, th- there's no pictures of her inside her apartment. Because obviously, if Malcolm was taking a picture of her inside her apartment, he, she would see that if he yes. was in, you know. So, so maybe that's part of it, too, is, is that why Luke wasn't. But I really think it's just the fact that, that I don't think Kilgrave cares about Luke. I don't think he has any uh, concern for him. No. So, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, and that goes kind of right into my number one, which was that support group, those people that you talked about. Because if she hadn't gone there, even though she tells the cop she's not going to go, if she hadn't gone to that meeting, she wouldn't have met the guy who chauffeured uh, Kilgrave, Kilgrave around. around, and wouldn't yeah. have found out that the person he was Kilgrave was meeting with wore a blue striped scarf. Exactly. And as soon as she heard that blue striped scarf, she recognized it as Malcolm's. And then she went back to the surveillance tapes, and then she sees – obviously she sees 
Malcolm following her around. So, so yeah, it all kind of we 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 get that all kind of intertwining together. Whereas the last episode had kind of a subplot that didn't have anything to do with the main story. This one we have a subplot that kind of plays right into the the main story. So that's that's kind of an interesting way for the the, the writers to do that. Um, I had a couple of quotes that I really liked, uh, which was when uh, when Jessica goes to Jerry's office uh, and she just barges in. The, the, <laughs> the assistant says she was trying to stop her, and Jessica says, I couldn't hear you over that print, talking about her dress, that she has this very loud dress on. Uh, but that was pretty cool. Um, again, when she's talking uh, about uh, the, the different people and, and what – that have been affected by Kilgrave uh, – or no, that's what it, when she's talking to Jerry's uh, ex-wife, yes. the doctor. The doctor gives her a prescription for antidepressants. No, and, no, no, uh, it was an antipsychotic. Antipsychotic, thank you, antipsychotic, and uh, uh, you're a paragon of mental health. <laughs> exactly. You know, I just, I really thought that was, uh, um, and that's uh, so. Then again, and when she's talking to the cop, she tries to get him to go to the meeting, and he's obviously not going to go. And she's like, "Yeah, I'm not into it either." You know, it's a very, very spiteful kind of way. She, I love how that, particularly that line, how that line was delivered because Kristen Ritter delivers it very well to where you can tell that she's being very snotty uh, about it. To where like, yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wasn't going to go myself. You know, I thought you should go, but no, I don't need to go, you know, kind of thing. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, pretty much like the character that she had in the uh, the B and the apartment to whatever. Oh, is that? Is. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> that was like a callbacks, people. So uh, she was, uh, Kristen Ritter was in a, uh, a comedic uh, show about, I don't know, about four years ago, maybe. And it only lasted maybe one season total. Yeah. And had James Vanderbeek and uh, a pretty blonde in it. Yeah. And uh, she was always the B in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I was I, I equated it to that, and I was like, oh, that's a good callback. I like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have one couple here. So I believe it's Jessica, and she it's like commentary that she has as. She's looking at, or no, she actually states it when she's mm-hmm. looking at the surveillance cameras that Will gave her mm-hmm. over those hours. And yeah. she goes, Now I know how it feels to be watched, seeing mm-hmm. everyone's private moments. You know, it, it's kind of a point of perspective where is th- that's all that she does for what mm-hmm. she does for her own business. And right. now she is the subject of being watched. Yeah, she's been doing the watching, and but but people are watching her as well. Yeah, and then uh, when she meets up with Audrey, and she is tracking the ex-husband, as it were, who is cheating on Audrey, <laughs> and she's listening in, and she hears the echo of the voice through the from the phone through the door, <laughs> yeah. and you hear, and she busts in. And they have this whole discussion, and it goes into what you were speaking about earlier about how uh, it was all about Audrey trying to stop somebody who is gifted. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of something that happened. And then uh, Jessica turns around after beating them up and saying, cases like this remind me why I'm single. <laughs> yeah. I liked – there was a funny moment in that fight where uh, after the wife uh, shoots her and says, oh, you can be shot. Uh, and she had told the husband to get her on the plastic. And uh, Jessica grabs the plastic and she pulls it and it trips the wife up and she falls flat on her back. It's a very comedic kind of moment she pulls that plastic out and they they fall i thought it was uh that was a pretty funny moment <laughs> so yeah which leads us to our our talk of the episode as a whole and and in general this particular episode and it leads into that same scene for me mm-hmm. um i love the determination of jessica trying to get down to things with her investigations the one with the girl in the prison uh her own with trish with kilgrave coming after them and then the woman who hired her, which is Audrey, <laughs> and the outcome. And her last statement to her, which you brought it up earlier, was, uh, yes, I have 99 friends, 99 gifted people. I had to laugh my ass off on that. I'm sorry, people, but, you know, I you know that Jessica does not know 99 <laughs> gifted people that have all this, you know, all these powers so it's her sarcastic wit coming into play just to invoke some sort of fear in this woman to leave me the hell alone yeah uh yeah for me it's 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 getting to see more of of jerry and in uh her relationship with her ex-wife she takes the the her assistant uh who it's it's not clear you know, if she would, they were having an affair before she and her wife separated or not, I don't know. Uh, but it's it's uh, that whole exchange in front of the restaurant where the the wife says, "Don't you know if she brings you a creme brulee or oh no, a, a martini glass or whatever it was with a ring at the bottom of it? Be careful not to choke or something like that." And exactly. and, uh, and and Jerry says, uh, "You don't get this restaurant." And the the assistant says, "Yes, she does," and and walks away. And you you get that idea that. Uh, As interesting as it is, I want to see some more of that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's just an interesting to see that that kind of relationship play out. We don't we don't see a lot of that on TV. We see a lot of of those relationships that are just happy go lucky and they're great and everything is fine. We very rarely see uh, (laughs) the bad. We very rarely see that those homosexual relationships have the same problems that heterosexual relationships. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're all they're all having the same the same issues and in the same problems. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see how the the uh, the uh, series is going to take that as a whole. And then uh, I, I already talked about some more of mine of what I want to see more of. I I, I want to know what Kilgrave. Why did he want uh, Luke Cage's wife dead? Why you know why she just, knows something that she that's must have what I known, got out of it. Yeah, something, but it just, I mean, yeah, it's just interesting to see all that, so. Yeah, mind you, listeners, this is a rewatch, and it's been a long time since I rewatched this show. (laughs) You're talking three years since I watched this show. Uh, Steve's watching it for the first time, Yeah, which is awesome. I also wanted to point out, Steve, with that interaction with, what's her name, Hargrave, uh, and and her assistant, and meeting her ex, Mm Oh yeah, yeah. She um she mentioned her her ex who is the doctor states mm-hmm. that oh this is where she proposed to me. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like that is such a oh my god that and to show how calloused and cold 
that the lawyer is. Yeah. Oh my and she's God. Bringing, yeah. Exactly. She brings sister to the same spot. Yeah. And I think I put a note in the wrong, in the wrong, in the wrong space here. But uh, one of the other ones I wanted to talk about was that when she does have that conversation, when Jerry and Jessica have that conversation about the people in the support group, and Jessica says that, you know, she's, she's set them up with an appointment to go to all meet together. Mm. And Jerry says, well, you should go with them. And, and then <laughs> Jessica hits the glass. There's Breaks it. <laughs> that, that Carrie Ann Moss just does a great job. I, I felt of selling the, the worry and the concern on her that you can see that, that they have a special relationship as well. They have a very, it's deeper than a friendship it, uh, between it the two like of them. It sounds like a concerned mother. More than anything, almost, yeah, yeah. That it's very, it's. I'm really enjoying this show, and I've said this before, um, because coming from a military background, for me, it's it's non blood relationships that I always find fascinating because that's all I have had almost all my life because I've been spread out from my family so much. So when I see these TV shows and, uh, and things that, that show those relationships really well, I, I like that to see that people that it's not just blood. It, it's, and there's a, a line that I quote often. It's from the TV show supernatural, uh, where it's early in the, in the series, but there's a, 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 a line, uh, when one of the characters says to, uh, one of the, the main protagonists, he says, "Family's more than blood." Yeah, and uh, I, I really, I really just like that idea of that family. It's not just, it's not just the blood, and, and so we can see that. So I, I like, I like shows and episodes that uh, that uh, that show that. So I kind of figured this would spark your interest in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. W- in my perspective, in my life, it's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, family is always family, and uh, friends are always friends, and. Those friends who are close to you, they're pretty much our family. Yeah. And uh, I've had a bit about that with uh, with friends who have passed recently, and uh, you have to be there for them when they pass or at the time when they're about to pass. So um, I, I've gone through that, and it's letting them know towards the end out there. So if you have friends out there that are, are kind of like family or – you feel that special bond, be there with them, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but let's move on to our comic talk. I, I didn't have any, like I said, I placed my note in the wrong spot. I have not had a chance. <laughs> I have not had a chance to read Oblivion song number two yet. It's sitting on my coffee table. <laughs> uh, it's sitting on my coffee table with the, the despicable Deadpool comics that I haven't been able to read yet. I'm horrible. I, I've got to, I've got to make up. This is probably tomorrow will be my day to, to, to uh, catch up on, on reading comics. So. Well, this is my weekend to catch up on a lot of things, including comics, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I have a four day weekend. Thank goodness. I get to see infinity war. Nice. Um, but this past weekend, I was working, but I had a break, and my local comic shop was nearby where I was working, so we took our lunch break, and we went to my comic shop, the the person that was helping me out, my job, and uh, I picked up Action Comics issue 1000. Now, mind you, there were many a variants of this particular issue, and Jerry Ordwell was at the comic shop. Cave oh, wow. Comics in Newtown, Connecticut, which is near Sandy Hook. So it's right around the corner. And I got a picture with Jerry, and I'll post it if you people would like to see it. It's of me holding up. It's a kind of a blank cover with the Action Comics 1000, which is a variant. And Jerry had drew the Superman S. And to Mark, thank you. And 
signed it, Jerry Ordwell, and I got all the other comics signed as well. Uh, it's amazing you know for a it's a milestone for a comic to go a thousand issues from the time it was printed all the way till now so you know the first issue till now it's a thousand complete and there's another one that's coming up soon wow Um, pat at uh cave comics in newtown mentioned it and i'm sure he'll bring it up to me again and so so action so that so action comics is it's a DC this is a DC comic correct. and this is the same run so it's never like like with Marvel they've had a sev- they've had several I want to I want the people who are listening to understand how important this is because your your Marvel comics even the ones that are in the 200s and the 300s they've had separate runs where they've stopped production for a little while and then come back to it and and uncanny x-men has been uh stopped and, and restarted a few times and and uh and has different and marvel now has like they've got like golden age marvel and and old man this and there's like all these different different ones so the the significance of action comics being the same title that's been running consistently for a thousand issues is pretty that's pretty significant yeah exactly and to me i had to be there for that pinnacle moment pat had purchased more comics because they sold out within a a day literally so he put in another order which is all first run and i came in on saturday and uh, to my amazement on thursday when i showed up they didn't have any left and uh the the nice gentleman that was there that works for him he he stated he goes he goes, Mark, sorry, they're they're gone. He goes, mm. uh, Pat ordered more. There'll be more here on Saturday, so if you're going to be here for the signing, I was working that day, and I was like, oh, man, I don't want to miss out. So I, I had a job in the morning. It took most of the morning. We wound up finishing up because the client had to leave fast, and then we took our lunch. We screwed it over to uh, Cave Comics in Newtown, Connecticut, and I got there right at the right time. And uh, I scooped up all the comics that I wanted. Uh, I Wow, he signed for me all the action ones. And then he did The Death of Superman because actually Jerry drew in that a- actual ep- issue. As well as uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, but I didn't do that. I should have gotten that one from my brother. I'm a bad brother. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, Jerry is very nice. I got to speak to him a little bit. Jerry's always there on Wednesdays on Comic Book Day. So if I happen to be there on a Wednesday and I happen to bump into him, I might ask him to actually sit in and maybe do a uh, little interview about yeah, him, if for possible. Because sure. apparently he is, uh, not only is he a comic book artist, I'm, I'm not sure if he's retired, but he did do work in this Action Comics 1000, so he has a bunch of panels in it. So my recommendations, because we are panels to pixels. Go out there, purchase it, get it. Jerry's a really nice guy. So if you happen to meet him at a con or something, have him sign it. He He's very, very much approachable and very nice. Um, I'm going to see if he could actually, uh, uh, is interested in actually being on this if I see him again. So yeah. if that's the case, uh, I asked Ben Beck. Ben does DC Primetime for uh, Next Level Podcast Network. And he wasn't sure who I was talking about, but uh, <laughs> he uh, Ben is more interested in the actual primetime series of the comics that are turned into TV shows. So right. uh, with me, I'm more of a comic advocate 
as well as the comic turned into movies. So um, years ago uh, at a con, I got Bernie Wrightson's autograph on a a Pinnacle uh, Swamp Thing comic. And uh, I, my girlfriend at the time looked at me and just rolled her eyes because I had him sign it. And I had that comic since I was like 10 years old. Oh, my so, goodness. So uh, she, she was like, okay. And she goes, are you happy now? I'm like, yes. All right. As long as it put a smile on your face. But, you know, now Bernie Wrightson is long gone. Whether that's a first edition or what, yeah. I do not know. But get out there and meet your, your the artists of these comics. They have a lot to tell, honestly. Uh, if I always recommend listening to other podcasts. If you listen to Fat Man on Batman with uh, Kevin Smith, he actually talks to a bunch of people like Paul Dini and all the other people that are involved in the actual comics as well as the cartoons. They do these comic book conventions uh, in Connecticut. They have WonderCon. And on top of that, you could go to uh, New York City Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con. You'll have Artists Alley. Uh, You could actually meet the artists. They will sign and they will actually be glad to talk to you and what your uh, feelings are about certain comics and what they drew. That's the one thing I always emphasize is because it's a dying art. And there are not many comics. And there has been a comic shop that was been around for a long time in California on, um, I believe, on Sunset. I think it is. I could be wrong, but listen to uh, Kevin Smith's podcast to verify. I think it's called Midtown Comics and or Meltdown Comics. It's where they had Chris Hardwick's podcasts. That's Meltdown, yeah, Meltdown Comics. All right, so I'm corrected. So Meltdown Comics. So they closed that down after so many years based mm-hmm. based on the rent and everything that is for the upkeep of those show, uh, those places. So, um, you know, the rent is high, and if there are not many out there that are reading comics or buying comics, and comics are a physical thing, let alone now a digital thing, but a lot of people like me who are purists, I'm sorry, I was born in the 70s. So, and <laughs> so I, you know, so is Steve, but we <laughs> love those ideas of of having something to hold and to read. And if you watch like The Walking Dead when Rick tells Carl, "Here, here's some uh fruit leather. <laughs> Distribute this amongst the kids and eat this and and read some comics." You know, to me when he said that, it's like put a smile to my face, you know. It's like you know, comics are were always heralded as not something to read as being true literature. Honestly, there's more drama in that in most shows that you see. Oh, yeah. And uh, you got to love it. So uh, if if you're a comic reader or if you're a non-comic reader and you want to get into it, try Oblivion Song. Uh, Invincible is gone. Walking Dead is still going through. And the comic book is far better at this point right now, I'm sorry to say, (laughs) than the actual show. So I'm not saying don't watch the show. I am an AMC advocate for the TV show. My last name is Kirkman. Keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm not trying to promote Robert, but if Mr. M. Gimple is listening, or Robert, uh, I am here, and I'm stating flat out, go read comics. Uh, even if it's one comic that you subscribe to and go and pick up every month, do so. Uh, keep those guys in business. 
without that, you know, there won't be a legacy of this anymore. Everything will be digital. And God forbid if there's like a complete EMP that wipes out all electrical <laughs> quality <laughs> stuff and we don't have this anymore, you're going to have to go back to your comics or books. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my buddy li- works at a library, and he goes, "Oh my God, nobody comes in anymore." And uh, honestly, you need to read books, and you need to read comic books. So you read comic books, and still go see the movies, and go see the <laughs> shows. But you know, you know, without uh, the comics, there wouldn't be these shows or these movies. So that's why we have Infinity Wars. That's why we have a Spider-Man movie or a Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So, you know, exactly. with that, without these things, we won't have it. So that's why we are called Panels to Pixels, because we are reading these things and we're watching them on the screen. Exactly. So everybody uh, go out there and please support your local comic shops. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and, 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 and plain words. <laughs> and PSA done. No, <laughs> exactly. Uh. Well, did All you right. have anything else to add that we haven't covered? Uh, the additional points that I would bring up would be Malcolm is always in the scenes and always high, and Jessica <laughs> was always helping him. Oh, my yeah. God. And and now we see why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that whole scene with the, the bicyclist uh, was, was really interesting, the, the bicyclist that's like, I ride this bike because I'm, I'm trying to help the environment, and you're just getting high, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and then she and pushes just... him, and you see her strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Malcolm, like, thinks she's going to be all sympathetic with her, and she's like, you're high. <laughs> and then she yeah. yells at the bicyclist and goes, yeah. uh, I, I do Pilates. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good quote, yeah. though. Yeah, that's that's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, uh, Jessica not being bulletproof, we see that she's not completely invulnerable. She's yeah. not like Luke, where she could actually get could get hurt and get shot. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah so, that that really that clued me in. Like I said, to that her superpowers are a little bit. There's something different there than just you know it, it's. Is it just super strength? Because I guess super strength would make your leg muscles, you know, strong as well. And it's it's not an invulnerability. It's it's not a speed thing. It's it's uh, so it's it. I'd be I'd be interested to see a flashback of her origin. I don't necessarily think they need to spend a whole season on it. Um, <laughs> but you know, if they could if they could give us an episode or so, uh, just explaining where she came from, how this accident happened. Uh, would be would be kind of cool uh, because she's not the thing I like about this series, and I think I I kind of like that they uh, because they introduced Punisher in Daredevil, we didn't have to see his origin story in the Punisher series, and uh, with Jessica Jones, they're just they're not treating us they're not treating us like we're stupid. They're just they, we don't need her origin story. We just we know where she is. We know what her power. We kind of know her powers, and we're seeing them as they go. And I, I like that. This is a, a character, a superhero, who we don't know the origin of, and it's one of those things that that I've talked about this before with, with other people. Is pretty much I would think at least in the United States, maybe most of the world, everyone knows Superman's origin story. Everyone knows Batman's origin story. Everyone knows Spider-Man's origin story. Everybody, almost everybody probably understands Iron Man's or, you know, there's, there's certain origin stories of superheroes that we know because they've been around for so long and we've been, they've been done so many different times. 
but they've always said the same story. So Jessica Jones, it's kind of uh, refreshing, and especially with down the road when we when we look at if we if we or when we look at the other Marvel shows on Netflix and we see Luke Cage and and um, <laughs> but uh, um, to see Luke Cage and to to see these characters that we they're they're not in everyday vernacular. They're not they're they're not the normal superhero that everybody knows uh, when you when you talk about it. You know, in fact, most people uh, who are not of the comic generation, I didn't even know Jessica Jones was a superhero before this show. Yeah, Uh, because I haven't been following comics, you know, and I I, long time. uh, Yeah, yeah, in a long time. So um, and and, honestly, not to cut you off, but honestly, I did not even know of Jessica Jones. Yeah. Yeah, and now and I, I didn't know it shop. until I saw it on Netflix and people talking about it, and they're like, "Oh, this was a comic." And I'm like, "When?" Apparently, <laughs> in the mid '90s. Yeah, that she um, came out, and by that time, I was far away from comics at that time because I was more involved in. Music. I was I was surprised that you know who Moon Knight is. That you're a you know I I would love to again. That's one of those characters I'd love to see. In fact, I I have the trade paperbacks of the 2016 run of oh, Moon wow. Knight. Not the current one. Uh, I guess you said they kind of changed the character up, but I have uh, they were able to go back at my local comic book shop and, and order me the trade paperback of the 16 issue or whatever it was, uh, 2017 2016 Moon Knight run uh, that they made of those of those issues. So I'm going to be reading those here pretty soon, but that's a character that we've not seen on TV or in, in movies, really. Uh, Actually, so we have. Oh, did they do something with it? They did. Um, okay. If uh, you've been away from it for a while, but mm-hmm. I see it because I work in retail in a sense where they have DVDs. Okay. They did a Marvel Knights of Moon Knight on oh, DVD. Okay. So it's almost watching like a living comic book because it's all panels and the movement. Oh, but they have okay. people doing voiceovers uh, with some action involved. Uh, very similar to what just came out uh, recently, because I, I equate it to that, because Batman Ninja looks a lot like that. I'm, it's hmm. a little okay. bit more intense, but I, I find it entertaining. I didn't finish it yet. Hmm. I fell asleep last night, so I repeat <laughs> <laughs> But I, I plan on to, and it, it really intrigued me. I have had a rough two weeks of work, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to plan on finish watching it, because... To see Joker, Harley Quinn, and everybody from Arkham in that, and then they're in uh, feudal Japan <laughs> at that point, and he's dealing with ninjas and samurais. It's amazing. Oh wow! Okay, so you, I'll have to check I, it out. I, I recommend. I saw that. the Batman. I did see the Batman one at my local store, so I'll have to check it out. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, there's a lot, you know. Like, I, you know, Moon Knight is one that actually did come out. Um, they, they've been trying to reinvoke it. Um, my other want for Marvel to do is Alpha Flight. I want, it's like the Canadian version of uh, Avengers, mm-hmm. and I've been I loved that as a kid. I love Sasquatch. I love Puck, uh, Aurora. Uh, yeah, Aur- Quicksilver. And, and, yeah, no Aurora and Aurora. Um, yeah, they're, they're twins and they're mutants. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, Quicksilver wasn't part of that. No. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I just they had that same. Yeah, it's similar. Yes. Right. But okay. uh, no, different different characters. But yeah. uh, they yeah. they uh, and they actually mention about Alpha Flight 
Beta Flight and Delta Flight in oh, the comics. Oh, that's the guy I was thinking of. The the what do they call him? Captain Britain or Captain whatever. Yes. The, yeah. The the main guy. I just saw the picture of him. They had the the Canadian flag. Guardian. That's him. Yeah. Exactly. North Star. That's the one that I was thinking of. That's that I was that I was confusing. North Star was his name. Yeah. When I was confused with, um, they called him North Star, and it's funny too because he uses a re- his real name. I think it's Aurora, okay. if I can remember. But it was interesting how they changed those characters, made it more LBGT uh, mm-hmm. uh, compliant at the time, whereas in the eighties they weren't, and it was Marvel going against the grain, making them gay. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I do remember that. Yeah, and uh, to me that that was very interesting for its time because it was so controversial. Now it's okay, which is fine because you have a Spider-Man who's gay, mm-hmm. and I, I I love that idea. It's like you know, it it's not Peter Parker, but regardless, it's somebody who's different in the in the Spider Verse, and also. Uh, I don't know if I dropped it on the Facebook page, but Venom did come out as far as a trailer, and I suggest everybody go see it. <laughs> it looks good. Yeah. So uh, uh, with the, with that, we're going to leave you guys because there's so much we could talk about, but we're not going to go on for two hours. <laughs> so uh, with that, to submit your feedback, uh, you could submit your theories and feedback. Go to our Facebook group, which would be www.facebook.com slash panels to pixels or you could email us at panels to pixels one at gmail.com now there's been a bit confusion on our facebook page <laughs> there is a panels to pixels <laughs> youtube out there we are not them thank you for those who are supporting even though i've corrected you but we are two different entities as far as uh, what we're doing. Apparently, I came up with this, and it's an original podcast named that. Apparently, there wasn't another like that one. So, But I do support those guys on YouTube because I, I've looked at some of their stuff, and it's awesome. But thank you guys for listening in, and thank the YouTube guys who are Panels to Pixels for uh, adding some stuff. And those people who are fans of that adding to stuff to our Facebook page. And, but, and go ahead and keep tagging them. Keep tagging us with their stuff. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to tag us to YouTube, that would be awesome as well. Uh, we would love that because the more the merrier. Uh, anybody who would listen. I know not many people listen to podcasts, but opening up everybody to that would be great. Yeah. Uh, maybe eventually I'll put this as a YouTuber and put it on a YouTube format as well, because a lot of YouTube does podcasts as well. It's just a matter of making a page. So where can listeners hear us? Well, uh, obviously, you've heard us here. (laughs) But I'm also a co-host on The Walking Dead Talk Through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. So you could hear me on um, The Walking Dead Talk Through. And and me, I... I Obviously, I co-host here, Panels to, to Pixels, with Mark. I've uh, sat in on a few roundtable discussions on uh, the Walking Dead talk through. I send feedback to several of the Podcasting Network podcasts. And, um, yeah, I send uh, feedback if you listen to Remaking History. If you listen to Remaking History Network, which is where Walking Dead talk through, where Mark Kirkman and Brian Malosh are, I send feedback to that show. So. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve, and uh, Mark will be back with us next time.